Praise the Lord. I just want to remind you of a, a couple of things. Next week, Mark and Janet Brzee are going to be with us, and so you don't want to miss that. Uh, mark your calendar for that. Uh, Dr. Avery Jackson is going to be with us. And then, uh, men, this Friday, uh, you go to the app, sign up. The, the addresses are there. We're going to have our Stand Tall Men's Barbecue, and in that, we're just going to introduce and uh, let you know uh, what we're doing and moving forward into uh, men's ministry uh, in New Creation Church. And then, uh, again, uh, just it's just a little over a month, about a month and a half, and our men's conference is going to be here. Uh, John and Addison Bevere are going to be speaking at our men's conference, and then the Sunday after that, both John and Addison are going to be speaking. John will be speaking in the morning and uh, Addison in the evening. So tell people about it. Uh, if you know men, uh, bring them to the conference and to Sunday service. I believe it's going to be a life-changing event for the men. And uh, really for us as a church, it's always awesome when uh, John comes and uh, Addison speaks into the life of the church, and so that is uh, very, very awesome. Before we get into the message today, if you're here this morning and you, have, uh, you are or you uh, have a uh, uh, family in active military service, would you please stand up? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If you are here and you served in the military, please stand up. No, everybody stay standing. If you have family, if you served in the military, praise the Lord. Now, if you have had family that served, that has served, they either gave their life or served in the military, would you please stand up? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And so we're here this weekend, you know, as uh, John said on the announcements, we are here um, to, you know, not just have a three-day weekend so we can go boating and stuff, but this was all designed so that we could remember the cost of the freedom that we have. And uh, the reason I had everybody stand up, sometimes we just have those who have served, but you know, when, when family members go off, or you remember uh, grandma or grandpa, uh, they gave their life, uh, some of them uh, gave their life, some of them gave time in their life, but it all relates to the freedom that we have. And so we remember those who gave their life unto death. We remember those who took out of their life and served uh, with us. Many times that has uh, many different effect and has had on their family and those things and those who are serving and what that means to their family and their families. Uh, you know, when you have family members and they're deployed and you don't know where they are and what they're doing, uh, it's just prayer and it takes prayer and time. And so we honor every single one of you that served, every one of you that have members. We recognize that that's giving of yourself as they go away and serve. We just want to take a moment and pray. Uh, we're going to pray for uh, y'all. We're going to pray for those who are in the military right now. We're also going to, going to uh, pray uh, for those who have lost loved ones this week, parents who have lost uh, their children uh, in that tragedy. We're going to pray uh, for Elijah Slife, who has sickness in his body. We're going to pray over this and then pray over the service, all right? So there's a lot there. Uh, we could stand up and down and up and down praying for this and that. We're just going to kind of put it all into one prayer, amen? And so uh, let's just do that. Father, we thank you so much. God, we know uh, as believers such a freedom and such a liberty that we have from the power of sin because of what Jesus did. He gave his life for us. And so knowing that, we pray, Father God, for each and every 
one, every family who may still be uh, uh, dealing with the loss of a loved one who gave their life in service for our freedom as a country. We pray for those who went out and gave their life and, and still may have effects of that time that they spent uh, serving us and giving their life for us. We, we pray for those who right now have family members out there, God. We just pray by your spirit that there would be comfort, there would be strength, there would be courage imparted by the spirit of God as we remember not only the freedoms we have, but we remember how that freedom came. It didn't come free. We might uh, uh, just enjoy our freedom, but many gave their life so that we could have the freedoms that we have. When we look sometimes and we don't like People exercising freedom in certain ways, but men and women gave their life that we might have freedom. And so we are so thankful, God. We ask you, Father, in the midst of what's going on in our nation, to minister to our leaders, to deal with the hearts of our leaders, God, to direct our country in a way that our freedoms remain that each and every person has a freedom to develop the gifts and the strengths and the callings in their life to meet the needs of others, that as a free nation, we are, as the people, meet the needs of one another. We love one another. We respect one another. Help our leaders to, to guide and to set laws that would help us to remain free and, and give us the ability to serve one another. Break down the walls of division and strife between us. We might be united once again as a nation, for a nation divided against itself will not stand. And God, for those who have given their life for our freedom, let it not be in vain, but let us to see what they gave their life for, that true freedom. And Father, we pray for those moms and dads. We pray for those families so affected by tragedy this week that, Holy Spirit, you do what only you can do, to move with your great grace, your great compassion, your great anointing upon every heart and every life to help them. You are the helper. When things seem so hopeless and helpless, that you would help them, that you would guard them, that you would strengthen them, that you would move, through, move them through this time and of, of weariness, of, of mourning, God, and bring them strength as only you can do. For you are the God of hope. You are the God of peace. You are the God of strength. We thank you. Father, we pray now over this prayer cloth. We pray for Elijah. We thank you in Acts the 19th chapter. It said handkerchiefs and aprons were taken from the body. The apostle Paul, when they were laid upon those who were sick, the diseases left them, the sickness left them from your healing power. So we pray that your anointing would saturate this cloth. When it's brought to his body, I thank you, Father, that sickness and disease of all types would be driven out. I thank you his blood will be made right. I thank you, Father, that the doctors uh, concerning his case would begin to have wisdom and understanding and direction, that things might come together for his health, his healing, and his strength, Father. And for anyone in this room that is struggling with pain, with sickness or disease, we thank you for the anointing. We thank you for the price paid that you laid over that whipping post. Your word declares that by your stripes we were healed. And if we were healed, then we are healed. So we thank you for healing for each one. Now, Father, we thank you for your word. We approach it as it is in truth, the holy written word of God. We thank you that, Holy Spirit, you take this word. You make it alive. In application, you make it come to life and become life to each and every person 
who hears it, that it brings instruction, it brings correction, it brings edification to those who hear it, that we might gain a knowledge of the truth. And you said if we would know the truth, the truth would make us free. And so we look to gain liberty and freedom from all the strategies of the enemy to bind us up, to hold us back. We thank you that the knowledge of your truth would bring freedom and liberty, not to our flesh, but to fulfill our divine destiny. And we thank you for the anointing coming upon each and every one to break every yoke of bondage. So we thank you for everything that will be accomplished in every heart and in every life by your word and by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You can be seated. Praise the Lord. Open your Bibles with me to Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. We are uh, just have uh, cracked open a series of messages, power principles to shape your future. One of the reasons that we're going into this is certainly we want to build, as we've said, we ended last year talking about patience, perseverance, and endurance. Anybody had to use a little patience lately? Persevere. Uh, I can just tell you as a pastor, there are things going on. We are stepping through the threshold of something certainly that outwardly might look negative, but from, if, you're, if you have any anticipation in your heart, you know God is doing something. And so he begins to prepare us for things that he's doing ahead of time. But we, by nature, sometimes jump the gun because we sense it, we feel it, we, we think, I, I'm ready, but God is working. And so that perseverance, that enduring, that taking it through to fruition is so important. But we're building on something, and if we build on the wrong foundation, it will never stand. And so we talked about foundations. But here we're talking about our ability to see, to shape our future, or to frame up, if you want to stay with that theme the future that is before us. And there are principles in the Word of God that are so powerful in bringing that future uh, about and to pass. And so Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, we've used this as our foundational text. He says, uh, God speaking here says, I know the thoughts that I have towards you. Sometimes we're not, uh, you know, thinking we get upset and we begin to talk uh, to God like, why God? Why are you letting this happen? You must not like me. You must think I, I, you know, I can't be forgiven and all those things that process through our mind. And sometimes we just need to stop and hear what God says. God talking to his people who had all kinds of situations. He says, wait a minute. Instead of somebody telling you what I think about you, let me tell you what I think about you. God always wants to be able to tell us what he's thinking. And he says, the thoughts that I have for you, even though you don't feel like it, the thoughts that I have for you are of good and not of evil. They are of a future and a desired outcome. And so from this, we know that God has a future for us. God has a plan for us. God has something that is good and not evil. It's something that he desires for us to have in relationship with him, that the power of sin would be broken off, that together with him, we would fulfill what we were created to do in fellowship with him because we were created as humankind to be in relationship with God. Sin broke that, and without that relationship with God, with God being so far off that we're crying out to God, we're not seeing things happen, and then we blame God for things that have happened. But it was disobedience and sin that entered into the world that separated us from God. And God loved us so much because he has a future and a hope that he sent Jesus. And in Jesus, in the power of his blood, he said when we accept that, his blood 
cleanses us from all unrighteousness, puts us in a position when his body was broken, the veil that kept man out, the wall of partition that kept man out of the presence of God was ripped from top to bottom. And he says, now you can come into my presence. And when you've made a mistake, you come into my presence and the blood is sprinkled there. And he said, there, you come to that place to obtain mercy, forgiveness, and find grace, influence, ability, strength, and favor to do and to go out and fulfill what God's called you to do. But he, can't, he won't make you come into his presence. He won't make you do things. He's given us his word. He's given us his spirit. He's put ministry gifts in the body. He, I mean, there's so much access to information. He said, I will tell you. I will show you. I will help you. I will equip you. But you still have to know and you still have to participate in your future. Right? And so sometimes we're like, why do I have to participate? If it's God's will, why doesn't God just make it happen? Because that's the whole point. He doesn't want to do it without you. He wants to do it with you. And he doesn't want you to do it without him. He wants you to do it with him. That's the whole point. It's not just simply about religion. It's about that relationship. And I know that sounds cliche, and it usually sounds cliche because just as human beings, we've lost perspective of true relationship and the depth of relationship. Most of the time, we're living too superficially with relationship. We don't want to go deep with people into our heartfelt relationship, or we can't trust people to go deep into heartfelt relationship, or we may have expectations of people in relationship that they can't meet. And so we've been disappointed in those areas, but God says, if you'll come in and learn relationship with me and have that fulfilled with me, I'll show you how to have relationship with others. And then it begins to be a, a fulfilling time. It begins to be something that, you know, where we allow ourselves to feel unfulfilled. He said, I want to fill you fully with all that I am and all that I have for you. So fulfillment in life comes only one way through Jesus Christ, relationship with him and being filled with all that he has and all that he is. Can I have an amen? amen. Praise the Lord. And so we began uh, this series just talking about that. You know, many people think I have no control over life. And with the things that have happened over the last couple of years, it seems like, you know what, I, I don't even know what to do. I have no control over this. And that's what the enemy wants you to think, to give up, to feel like, you know what, I don't know what's going to happen next. And, and I feel like th there may not be any hope. And, and, and hopefully you've never felt helpless. Because as we've said before, as a believer, you are never without help. God said he would never leave you. He would never forsake you. He sent the Holy Spirit, and he said he is your helper. He's your strengthener. He's your guide. He's your assistant. He's the one that stands in the gap for you. So in all of this, he said, you have help. Help for what? Help to overcome hopelessness and help to overcome the uncertainty that is all around you because there should be a certainty that begins to settle in us knowing we have eternal life and that God has a plan for us that we are to participate in. And so these principles are powerful when we start to see where we participate in them. And as Zane said earlier, we talked about the, the, the power of seed and how seed works in our life. And so really just to sum that up, if you're looking at your future, you need to look and say, what do I want my future to look like in God? 
And if you don't have that future right now or you're not moving there, then what seed you plant for your future is going to be very important. What are the words that you are saying today that will affect your future? What's coming out of your mouth? We talked about words are seed. Remember that that word, that seed goes in small, but when it's received into ground, it grows and creates an exponentially greater amount of seed in the fruit that it produces. So if it's negative, there's going to be exponentially more negativity come from the fruit of your words. We think they're not important, but we wonder, how come I got so much negative stuff going on in my life? We look back, and we were negative in a time of our life. It produces, right? And so what are we doing with our actions? We saw that our actions, what we do is seed moving into stuff. What are we doing in action to plant for our future? What are we doing in our resources and giving of our resources to plant for our future? So again, it's a powerful principle that moves us towards our future. If we neglect that principle, as we said, it's a law. It will always work, always. God will never be made a fool of. When we stand before God and say, it wasn't my fault, I didn't do it, God says, I already told you, and he'll unveil it. He'll never be made a fool of what you sow, what I sow, we will reap. All right, so I want to talk a little bit today about the power of thought. The power of thought. Powerful principle in shaping our future, walking with God. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 says this, for as a man thinks in his heart, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So man thinks in his heart, so is he. In this particular passage of scripture, it says, listen, an evil person, even though they say, come over to my house and eat and drink and participate, let's have fun, it says he has something else in his heart. His heart is not for you and it's not with you. And even the food that you eat from his house, you'll end up vomiting. Because he thinks in his heart evil and he's purposing evil in his heart. Well, the opposite is true as well. If a man thinks good always in his heart, whatever you think, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a well-disciplined mind, a sound mind. So God has given us the ability to discipline our mind. He's given us a sound mind. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 says this, uh, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Anybody had need of peace every now and then? He said, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. He said, well, I don't know if I can keep my mind stayed on him, but he's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a well-disciplined mind. So our mind can be stayed on him. But it's the understanding that where the mind is at work, how the mind, again, what we allow to be sowed into our heart that begins to affect our mind. So Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20 says this, my son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my saying, do not let them depart from your eyes, but keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. He says, mount up a guard around your heart because out of your heart flow the issues or the parameters or the boundaries for your life. 
And so your heart being partly your spirit, man, but partly your soul. Your heart is made up of your spirit and your soul. And your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. So what is he saying? He's saying, in part, we have to mount up a guard around our mind over our thoughts. Why? Because at least in part, our thoughts create the boundaries by which we are going to live in. And those boundaries in the word of God and what we think creates vision. The Bible says without a vision, people perish, or without the word of God, people wander aimlessly. In other translations, without a prophetic word, or in other words, the word of God directing to your future, people cast off restraint. In other words, without a word from God, the word of God, saturating our mind, there are no boundaries. We cast off restraint. And so we end up places that we aren't intended to end up simply because we haven't guarded our heart. We haven't guarded our thought processes in how we think. Praise the Lord. The uh, Passion Translation says it like this. It says, listen carefully, my dear child, to everything that I teach you and pay attention to all that I have to say. For your thoughts, fill your thoughts, excuse me, fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate deep into your spirit. Then as you unwrap my words, they will impart true life and radiant health into the very core of your being. So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your inmost being, for from there flows the wellsprings of life. I love that. He says this. He says that you have to be, fill your thoughts with his words until they penetrate deep into your spirit. It starts in your thought life, and that meditation of the word allows it to get deep down into our spirit. To understand this, that your thoughts are really guide, the, 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 the thoughts turn into what you make decisions about. Thoughts relate to your decisions. Your decisions create the direction for your life. And the direction for your life ends up at a destination. And so our thoughts are incredibly vital to the decisions that we make. The decisions we make set the direction for our life, and the direction for our life really sets the destination. So when we're talking about shaping our future, our thoughts are vitally important. And many times, we don't give any attention. We don't give any purpose to our thinking. We just think it comes and it goes. And in fact, when you begin to look at it, um, uh, you know, the, I was looking at and studying some things. They say now, I don't, you know, they, people who study this, neuroscientists do studies, that each person has 6,200 thoughts a day. <laughs> 6,200 thoughts a day. And so she speaks up. I'm thinking 6,200 thoughts a day. Women have 250,000 words a day. There's great potential for great success or great harm, depending on where those thoughts and those words are directed, right? So we can do a study and go, huh? But really what he's saying is there are things coming at us fast, Faster than ever before. 6,200. I know, my wife, she's probably, if they studied her, it would be much more. 
Um, she has a lot of thoughts. But 6,000 thoughts for me is a lot of thoughts. And 250,000 words is a lot of words. So that's where we find some trouble in communication. But my point is, is there's a lot of words. And, and, and as they study that, there's a lot of things that spur thoughts in our life. And so there are certain things that come because of conscious thought, right? You, you go to school, you study things, and then there is conscious thought. But then there is subconscious thought. The thing that we all have to deal with is I'm just going and like out of nowhere, here comes this thought. Where did that thought come from? And even many times when we're praying, we're like, that must be God, because I wasn't even thinking about that. And actually, I was praying when that thought came, because I was praying, and that thought came, it must be God. Well, listen, you can have a thought while you're praying that isn't God. <laughs> many people have led, been led astray by a thought while they were praying that wasn't God. Well, how do I know if it's God or not? That's what we want to get into just a little bit this morning on how we begin to see the principle, the power of our thoughts and how we have something to do with that and guarding our heart. As we said a couple weeks ago when we were introducing this, somebody said that thoughts are like trains. When you get on them, they're taking you somewhere, right? One thought can take you to multiple destinations, so which one of you would just, I know there's a few people that would raise their hand because you're true adventurers, but not many wise people jump on a train not knowing where it's going. You go, you get a ticket, you get on the train for a specific purpose, right? And sometimes you study, how many stops am I going to have along the way? Where is it going to go before I reach my destination? Because you want to get there in a timely fashion and you want to get there without disruption. And so you look at that and you say, where am I going? How am I going to get there? But many times in our thoughts, we don't do that. We just jump on a thought and wherever it takes us. But to understand that that thought meditated on thought about too much begins to affect our spiritual life and the direction of our life. And so we want to be very uh, proactive in understanding this instead of reactive after our thoughts have already taken us down a road that we don't like, that if we're proactive, we begin to think differently. We did a series of messages a couple years ago just based on that. You know, I started to get on Facebook and that little tagline that gets everybody talking What's on your mind? Oh my goodness. What that one phrase has done to our culture. What people put on Facebook. Oh my Lord. To find out what's on people's mind at any given moment. What pokes them and allows their thoughts to just go. Right? Not guarding their thoughts. Just. And then letting everybody else in on their thoughts. And when you let everybody in on your thoughts, then it provokes thoughts. Right? Because thoughts come from different stimuli. They come from something you've studied. They come from something you look at. They come from something that someone else says. There's all kinds of ways that thoughts begin to come. And then all of a sudden they start layering. And pretty soon you think you're going to have one thought. And by the end of the day, you've had 6,200 thoughts. Some of them are looping over and over and over, and they're not productive, and God wants us to be productive. 
So let's just look for a moment. I have a lot of scripture for you, but uh, let's look at this. One of the first ways that we can begin to be conscious of guarding our heart, knowing that our thought, our part of that is by renewing our mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Many of these you know, but it's good to be put in remembrance of those things in our thought life. And so Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, and don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So in the course that he's talking about, he says, don't be conformed to this world. How are you conformed to this world? By allowing to listen and allow your thoughts to be conformed to the thoughts, the ideologies, and the thinking or the stimuli that comes from this world. But he says, if you move over and you begin to renew your mind to what God has said, you begin to get into the word and renew your mind to what God has said, refilling your thoughts and your processes to what God has said. And I know we think that that's very difficult to do many times because we're moving from one place. You know, uh, we all, I'm sure, have it, some people different than others. But, you know, when you get into the word of God or you you decide, I'm going to go hear the word of God, you're like, man, I hope I get through this. But you can sit in front of the news for hours. You can go and sit in in a two-hour movie and receive all kinds of stuff. You're able to do it, but it's the value that you put on what you're renewing your mind to, what you're reading. Many people study for hours. They, They get on the internet for hours, and they don't fall asleep. Why? Because they're interested in that. Well, the Bible just doesn't really stimulate me like, you know, the gossip on, on Facebook does. Yeah, but your thoughts are taking you directions because of that. He says the way you guard your heart is you renew your mind to what God is thinking. And the minute you start to really value that, you begin to see what God is thinking and what he's thinking about you and what he's thinking about your future and what he's done to secure your eternity with him. And once you begin to embrace that, an excitement begins to come from that. I want to know what God is saying. I want to know what God's thoughts are for me. I want to know what future he has. He says, you have to set yourself to renew your mind. In Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 21, this is from the New Living Translation. It says, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Come on, how am I going to do that? Well, I begin to know and allow the Spirit of God. I'm not just trying to do it myself. I have a helper, the Holy Spirit, who's going to help me. He's the one that translates this word into life. As I look at it, as I see it, as I ask God about it, the Holy Spirit teaches me. He translates it into life for me. He helps me to think about it. Once I get into it, he'll bring it back to my remembrance. God says, I want you to get my thoughts for you so in your thinking. As he told the, the, the people of the Old Testament, his people in the Old Testament, he said, remember me. Remember the covenant. Remember what I've done for you. Never forget it. And when he says remember, that word remember doesn't mean draw up from forgetfulness. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got to remember. God did something for me. No. It means to keep in the forefront of your thinking. 
It means to keep in the forefront of your thinking. So he says, meditate on this word. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4 tells us this, for the word of God is living, it's alive, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. See, it's always good to go down there and say, well, my intention was, and I really wanted to, and actually the word shows up. Did you really have the right intention? Because you can even deceive yourself and get down the road. But the word of God getting into that, God begins to, by his spirit, open up and reveal and go past the feelings and emotions to begin to really discern. And as he discerns the thoughts and the intents of the heart, he also divides between the joint and the marrow. The, the, the word is able to bring healing to your mortal bodies as we meditate on it, as we look at it. And I know some people would say, well, yeah, I know, but why do we want to do that? Because God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And Paul said in the, to the Romans as they were going into all kinds of corruption and immorality, he said that they knew God, but they refused to retain God in their thinking. And so they were given over to a lower thought life. And so human beings can live at a totally lower thought life and think they're really smart. But when we get the word of God, we rise to a place of a different kind of wisdom, a higher way of thinking, not bringing God down to a way of thinking, but God raising up to us to a way of thinking. And the Holy Spirit helps us to do that. And so we renew our mind to the word. Secondly, we meditate on that word. We get that word. The psalmist said this in Psalms chapter 1. Uh, he said, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the paths of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. The person who meditates in this day and night shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water that bring forth fruit in their season, whose leaves shall not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. Now, I want you to listen to this. Every time he talks about meditating his word, I'm going to get my mind on his word. I'm going to renew it. I'm going to study it. I'm going to listen to it. But I'm going to start for myself saying it. I'm going to start muttering it. I'm going to start thinking about it. And he says over and over, when you do this, it makes your way to prosper. It makes your ways successful. God has a plan through his way of doing things to bring us prosperity and success, not just financial. Prosperity means a fullness in every area, spirit, soul, and body, mentally, emotionally, and physically. Psalms 119 says, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies. He said, when we meditate on the word of God, we understand that God is wiser than anyone else, and we become smarter than our enemies. Joshua chapter 1, verse 7 says, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all that I've commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do all according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Come on, he says that your thought life, no matter what you do, you can become discouraged 
and you can become weakened. You can become discouraged and become weakened. And when you feel discouraged, it's not going the way you thought it would, and you become weak in your faith, you become weak in what's going on in my future. He says, if you'll get into my word, I'll reveal it to you. You'll see what I've promised you. You'll see what I've commanded you. You'll see what Jesus has done for you. You'll see, and you begin to think about that and meditate on it, and all of a sudden, you'll be strong, and you'll become very courageous about what God has for you, and you'll begin to walk into things, and you'll take a hold of those, and you'll be prosperous, and you'll have good success, and it all starts and how do we meditate? How do we process our thinking? Praise the Lord. We have a couple more things, but we're going to run out of time here real quick. But I just want to uh, encourage you. You know, thoughts come from different places. We'll have to take up here with the last three things next week. But to encourage you. Because what you think about so effectively works on your faith. I mean, just think about it for a few moments, how the disciples were and what they did, you know, when, when they were with Jesus. You know, they were with Jesus, there always seems like they're out on a boat and there's a storm. It's good to be with Jesus anywhere you are in the middle of a storm. So they're out on the boat, they're going to the other side, and Jesus almost always sent them into the storm. Why? Because he just wanted to see him struggle? No, because he was going to, you can't truly learn faith outside of a storm. The Bible says that the trying of our faith determines or shows through a trial of fire that it is pure faith. It's precious faith. So many times as faith people are like, I have faith until there's a storm. And it's our thinking that helps us with that, and God helped us with their thinking. So they're out there in the boat one time, and Peter, Jesus comes walking on the water. And what's Peter's first thought? I can do that. I can do that. And Jesus is like, good thinking. Good thinking. Until he gets out of the boat. And then he sees the waves, and he's like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And he began to sink. Now, see, we put it in that faith perspective, but our thinking, you, you have to look at Peter was thinking, I can do that. Just tell me, and I can do that. So he's thinking, I can walk on the water until he gets on the water. And then he's walking, and the storm kicks up, and he's like, I can't do this. And his thinking is kind of off because he's thinking he could do it as long as it's smooth water. He's not thinking, I can't walk on water whether it's rough or smooth. He's just thinking, man, if the, water, if the water would have been smooth, I would have got all the way to Jesus. No, you wouldn't have. And what is Jesus saying? Don't think just as long as everything is smooth, you can do it. But with me, it doesn't matter if it's smooth or stormy. So he... His thinking was, I can't do this. He began to sink. Thank God Jesus picks him up, walks him back to the boat, and he said, why did you doubt? Why did you change your thinking from can do to can't do? Our faith is connected to our thinking, right? And so they're in another place, and, and Jesus is right there in the boat. So first time he's out of the boat, next time he's in the boat, they get into a storm, and it's so bad, and they started thinking, we are going to die. And the thought that we are going to die took them to another thought, which is 
Jesus doesn't even care if we die. I'm just telling you, they were normal people like we are. But Jesus worked with them just like the Holy Spirit wants to work with us. And so Jesus woke up and he said, I do care if you die. But if you wouldn't have started thinking this way, we would still be going to the other side. If you would have been thinking who was in the boat with you, how much I care about you, and how I prepared you to make it through the storm, we would be on our way to the other side. But because your thinking got off, you're waking me up <laughs> saying, I don't care about you. So he had to stand up and say, peace be still. I do care about you. How is it your thinking got so far down the path that you have no faith at all. See, they let thinking in, and it took them from one thought to the other. It's one thing to think, oh, my God, this is a huge storm. It's another thought to think, I'm going to die in this storm. It's, again, another thought to think Jesus doesn't care because you're in a storm. But people will do that. They'll even do that to you. If they're in a storm and they're anxious and you're at peace, they will tell you, you have to be anxious and thinking what I'm thinking if you actually care. And they'll try to get your thinking off. They'll try to even get you out of peace, but it's up to you, not to them, up to you. Jesus didn't wake up and go, wow, the storm, you're right, I don't care, I'm going back to sleep. He didn't let them get him all riled up by their thinking. He maintained his thinking. He maintained his peace and his calm. Another place, they're in a boat, and Jesus is talking to them about sin and about not letting sin get into their life through religious thinking. So he was using the analogy of leaven in bread, and they thought he is mad at us. Because we didn't bring lunch. And Jesus stopped and he said, what are you all thinking? You watched me multiply five loaves and two fish and feed 5,000 people. Right? Seven loaves, whatever number of fish. He said, you watched me feed 4,000, you watched me feed 5,000, and you think I would be upset that you didn't bring lunch? He said, no, I'm talking to you about not letting sin enter into your life. So what did he do? He never went, you guys are useless. He said, let me help you adjust your thinking because if you keep thinking this way, you're going to end up in trouble. God doesn't want you to end up in trouble. He doesn't want you to think simply because of the storm. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't th want you to think when he's bringing his word and correcting that somehow he's mad because you're not doing things right. He wants you to know how much he loves you. And when he corrects you, he wants you to get into the place where you'll be most fulfilled. He, doesn't, he wants you to say, I can do that, not that I can't do that. Come on, there's so much more to this that we'll have to pick up next week. Why don't you stand up with me? Father, we thank you. We praise you. We do magnify you. We glorify you. I ask you right now, Holy Spirit, to move on each and every person here. As they go out from this place, there are circumstances of life. There are things that they'll watch. There are things that they'll see, things that they'll hear. People will say to them that will just trigger thoughts. 
But I ask you to help each one of us become more diligent in renewing our mind to the word of God and meditating on those things that we might fill our thoughts with your thoughts, our ways with your ways, the way you want us to do things. So when thoughts come, we are able to recognize whether they are of you or not of you. That by what we put into our thought life that is your word, we are able to discern what you are saying as opposed to what others are saying. That we truly might make our way prosperous, that we might have good success. We thank you for that. We praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you say this as we go, what God did in Christ Jesus far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day.